Kawhi alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. What is up, you mother suckers? Happy 2019. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club, Crow Army. It is a new year, and we are back at it with a great show for you. I'm your host, John, and there's no need to mess around with a joke this time. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Nate Morales. Nate, happy new year, pal. How was your break? Oh, sweet, man. Super relaxing and way too short. We went to Costa Rica for Christmas up until about New Year's, a little before New Year's Eve. And, uh, you fleece Navidad there. Yeah, right? exactly. And it was great, man. Just a lot of time spent on the beach and at the pool and down in a couple beers in the local little town. It was great. I loved it. Did not see Calvo or Venegas. I mean, I would rather have maybe seen 50% of that duo. <laughs> Those are the only two Costa Ricans I can think of off the top of my head. Or Kendall Watson. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> well... As noted, folks, we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, you know, to get you going with segments on segments, folks, as we break into the new year, uh, because the hundredth episode and the hundred hundredth B episode that we <laughs> we put together for everyone with myself uh, and yourself, and then uh, my pals Dan and Nick <laughs> fell right before the holiday. Nate. Uh, Nate and I will roll back our thoughts on 2018 with our best of 2018 list, which we have done in the past, but we're doing it a little bit late. Typical us. <laughs> we're doing it in 2019. Um, somebody put the salt lick out for all of the trolls earlier this week with the way too early NPSL prediction, and we'll talk about that. Um, and there have been some trials going on for a few weeks now, and we have some updates on those um, and, and other team news. And then finally, the Open Cup news that came this week, and I will leave it at that until we get to the topic for for obvious good reasons. Yes. Um, But uh, we will definitely get into that because it's very topical to Friends of the Feather, and uh, I I think that we'll (laughs) – everyone will want to hear what I have to say about this (laughs) this one. Um, But, Nate, are you ready for us to dive in, shall we? Yes. Um, P.S. I missed you. I missed you. (laughs) <laughs> all righty well let's get going Woo! uh so john we did uh last fall we did our unofficial official player awards and we talked about all of the accolades that our players were getting from their schools from their conferences from the ncaa um, but we really never talked about our our favorite moments of the year um in, independent of individual uh independent of individual performance so let's take a trip back down memory lane and talk about our best of 2018 and let's start with best goal Um, so for my best goal i i I think it's um there's there's obvious ones that you can pick for best goal i mean we were the highest scoring team in the country so there was a plethora of goals that we could talk (laughs) about and um 
I think we, we can all agree on on the one that you're gonna you're gonna speak to. But the one that I picked was uh, Nick Hutton's upper ninety blast against Med City away. And the reason why I picked that goal was because um, it wasn't necessarily your 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 normal kind of um, Galazzo that you would you would think of when I say upper ninety blast. Yeah. Um, basically, the how it kind of came to fruition was uh, we were we were down uh, both of our center midfielders. Uh, I believe um, Steve and Max could not make the trip um, for for whatever reasons, and we were playing the pair of Will Kidd and Charlie Adams in center midfield, which. Those of you who who know us well, uh, that's typically a, 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 an outside back and a winger. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so but they had a fantastic game. And and how this goal came about was, Will Kid did Will Kid things, winning a tackle. Charlie got the ball, and what looked like kind of a a throwaway kind of dump pass just out of our zone turned into a superior effort by Nick Hutton to just go full beast mode and to 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 use his sprinter speed to track down that dump pass in the Med City uh, defensive zone turns on a guy turns on him again sets up his his uh, his left foot and just uncorks a screamer to the point where the goalie didn't even move and I don't think that there was uh, you know, a, a centimeter of space in between the crossbar and the right-hand post. And even the Med City fans, because I was on the bench for that game, even the, what are they called, the Mayhem? Yeah. Even they were, even they stood up and, and, and gave a clap because it was such a, a prolific, just all-out effort by Nick Hutton to to get to the ball, but to, to have some trickery and then just when the defender was leaning the wrong way, just rip a shot. So, yeah. That I'm, one was mine. I'm, I'm watching the GIF on uh, on the Minneapolis City Giphy page. I highly recommend that you guys check this out. But it starts right when he takes the perfect touch to get control of that ball and shift it across his body from the right to the left and just leaves his defender going the absolute wrong way. And then uh, and then as he's cutting to the left, he does just stop and rips it. And he finds, like you said, just finds that the perfect space. Like, it, the ball just is continuing to rise it looks like that thing could go on forever that's a great well, and the, goal and the thing is is like the the gift and the video don't do it justice you really had to be there to see that one yeah because it came off his foot so fast that you know like i mentioned the goalie didn't even move uh, <laughs> um, but like you said mine's kind of obvious maybe for some fans um it is the max stegwert chip of the dakota keeper from 30 yards out and uh, besides just being a delicious goal that felt super surprising to everyone watching at the time, um, mostly because Max had not been noted as an offensive threat leading up to uh, leading up to the season. But it was just like that was the moment when we when it started to, to kind of sink in that like, holy shit, we might be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like everything kind of clicked at that moment. Yeah. It was like. And and that was our our I believe it was our our That's second game five our, one destruction of Dakota. It was five nil I believe. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, there was a Whitney Brown hat trick in that game. And yep. There was a lot of buzz going on in that game, and and yeah, that that chip was. I've watched it so many times. I kind of feel jaded of how great it was. Um, <laughs> But also, like, what was the goalkeeper thinking about? I think he was just so so down on letting in, like, 
three goals before that that he he just didn't give a shit anymore and uh, was so far off his line and Max just made him pay for it. Yeah, John. Um, next in the uh, the Oscars of uh, Minneapolis City Soccer, I don't know what we'd call him. Um, his favorite... Globes, I believe, more topical. Yes, yes. Favorite game, favorite game, and I think mine is of last season. It is City versus Duluth at home to clinch the NPSL North. I think there's just so many great moments in this game. It really mm-hmm. did have everything, and uh, and it was it's hard for me to pick a game that I enjoyed more than this all season. Um, of course, first Matt Elder was phenomenal, and that was especially evident in um, in throughout the first half, and then in the culminating in the penalty save at the close of the half. Um, where he guessed correctly on the Joe Watt penalty. Um, Abdallah Ba ripping a Galazzo from distance, which is a contender of mine for goal of the year that barely lost out to the Max Stiegwert ship. Um, Justin Oliver showing why he's a great addition to the team. Not only was he able to score goals with his speed and his wily approach, I think he got a brace in that game, but he's he was able to fuck with Duluth during lulls in a way that we... We just kind of didn't have that. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't have that kind of attitude going up against Duluth um, over the last couple of years. So it was nice to see that. And of course, Will Kidd just doing Will Kidd stuff, putting the game away. And it really, in the end, it's just an overall. The game just gave gave me and gave the players it seemed like an overall great feeling. Um, the locker room was full of positivity. The brotherhood is really on display that night for me, um, both on field and then off the field afterwards. I was really, really happy to be a part of that uh, of that history making night. Minneapolis yeah absolutely I don't think I can add anything more to that you know I I I was on the call with Nordo in the in the in the booth and you know the whole time it was squeaky bum time for me the whole that whole game (laughs) (laughs) and uh and and the goals just kept pouring in and and Duluth kept throwing everything that they had at us and um you know we we know what happened in the return leg against them um in the playoffs but it, it really was just kind of like we needed we needed that game and and our and our guys turned up and and it was the brotherhood at, on full display for for me um, it's easy and obvious to say that I I should just agree with you um, but I'm gonna <laughs> go with it. I, I can't right yeah so I'm gonna go with the game that nobody saw yeah and it, it was the U23s versus the Bavarian U23s in the Wisconsin Dells ooh an artsy and, pick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A very, uh, a very, a, a very uh, bootleg pick, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so I drove a van down there with with some of the players in it, which was the first time I really spent a good chunk of a, of of time with some of the players. I think Troy Luegi was my 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 wingman in my van. Um, Nick Hines from the MPSL team uh, was serving his commitment to the community, and he drove the other van um, <laughs> down with me. We had 14 players due to, um, I believe, the, well, also I, I should mention too, the reason why I coached the, uh, or sorry, we had, we had 14 players because of the fact that uh, we had an NPSL game uh, the day before, and then we had... Uh, Matt and Ryan were at a coaching clinic, so they couldn't go. Um, Adam had already booked some sort of thing because we had a game the night before. So I was really kind of the, the default coach that could go. Um, and, and coaching that the team 
my, my I was all alone coaching the team. Um, we had a pl- uh, within those fourteen players, one of them had never trained with the team before. He was kind of like a friend of a friend that came along to help fill numbers, um, be- because <laughs> because we had elevated um, O'Driscoll, Ibsa, Vang, and De La Rosa to the game the night before and they all featured so we weren't going to burn them out yep we had a couple guys that couldn't make it so we were shorthanded um we found found out that uh ken love gets motivated by ice cream and um (laughs) ken love sloan is a is not only a fantastic soccer player um and we're gonna i'm gonna get into him a little bit later as well um when when we get to some of our other categories here uh but very unique guy and and and, uh, hilarious individual and at halftime it's it's zero zero and i i basically say to the guys like what the fuck is it gonna take for for you to stop respecting them so much and and go at the throat because we had so many opportunities where, where we were passive and we just needed to just get mean and and attack and i i said is it gonna take like me stopping our van to get ice cream on the way home for you guys to like do something here like you know what is it gonna take and he pops up and it, it immediately interrupts me and goes we get ice cream and i was like if we win this game we'll stop for ice cream so Ken Love motivated by ice cream. Um, so we go on to win the game two nothing after my my brilliant ice cream speech, um, and it, it it culminated in like the, it clicked in the guy's head. Like we've been training together all summer. We've been playing against like different levels of competition in, in the schedule, and and this is a very good team with historical background. You know, kind of our frenemy um, when when we do play them, but definitely friends of the club. So there there was there was no love lost on the field, but uh, it came with a with a banger uh, off of an assist from Ken Love um, to to Arthur Perrins who who hit a one time shot, um, a messy like free kick by Bernard um, that that sealed the game uh, with about twenty minutes left, and uh, and it also uh, Luke Anderson saved two penalty kicks. So it kind of had like like your your example. It kind of had everything, um, and the funny thing was is that Ken Love set up the Arthur Perrin's goal, and then he ran by our sideline and high fived everybody and said, "Ice cream, ice cream, <laughs> ice cream." <laughs> so the last thing to note is so I I I, I, I followed through with my promise, um, being you know through regulations with NCAA rules. I couldn't buy ice cream for the guys. I obviously would have if I could have. Um, but we stop at Culver's and we find out that Ken Love has never been to a Culver's either. What? So like this kid is in heaven. So we all order like butter burgers and chicken tenders and everyone's getting food because they're starving and, and getting ice cream afterwards. And I look over and Ken Love <laughs> did, did not order a meal. He ordered the biggest ice cream dish I've ever seen. And then <laughs> as we're walking out, he ordered more ice cream to eat in the van on the way home. So he, truly this, this, this kid is motivated by ice cream. Now we know when Ken Love plays, you got to have the ice cream ready in the freezer <laughs> Just yeah. to, just as a little extra motivation. Extra motivation. Yep. Yeah. So that game had everything, and uh, it was it was a, a good uh, moral victory for me, uh, being able to coach a team that beats the Bavarians. Nice. Uh, our next award, John, or next best of, is the best on field moment. Um, and I think we've you know little something a little going beyond best goal um, and things like that. It's like in general, what did you see or what was the moment? Um, you know, during one of the games where you really felt good about the club and you felt good about the future of the club. For me, it was at um, 
at Twin Sharts when Max Stewart did the Griezmann um, Fortnite dance. <laughs> I was thinking to about delay that a I quick was freaking. Mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it was uh, it was the Whitney Brown hat trick um, at home against Dakota. Uh, you know, he he scores his third goal. He runs to celebrate. He's he's flapping he's flapping his arms. Um, like crow wings, everyone jumps on him, hugs him. It's great to see the hugs. Really, but really, why I liked it, it was great to see him back in form after all the injury issues that marred his mm-hmm. his prior season. That he was back and he was happy to to be playing good soccer again. Well, and it was it was our second game in in Osseo, and we find out that that's where he went to school. He, uh, on the track that that we play, that surrounded the field, he set the track record yep. as a member of the four by four hundred relay. So it's like it was Whitney's kind of like homecoming party, and ironically, it was actually homecoming night for Osseo High School. That's true. So so to to add to to you know what you noted, I think you know you hit it on the head. That was Whitney showing all the potential that that we 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 we've seen in him. Outside of the you know the two goals he scored against Oakland City, or Oakland County, um, this was him doing it in league play and coming back from injury and, and hitting form like you mentioned. Yeah. <clears throat> so once again, uh, so many on the field moments I could mention here. So I'm gonna go outside the box again and I'm gonna say it would be uh, big game James save against uh, Med City, yes. which was. Which was uh, our first game at our our Wembley um, in Osseo. So we didn't really know what to expect there. We're playing against a, a very good Med City team that we we had done a lot of scouting on, and and we kind of built a game plan. It was the first time we we really really dissected an opponent from a coaching staff perspective, and and adjusted what what we normally do to to counter what they what they do, and. Um, and so they score a fluke goal versus us uh, after, you know, and, and they uh, they had a very fast start, and we, so we're down. And right before the half, they they drive down after we score a goal, and and Jimmy makes a huge reaction reaction save that you don't normally think a guy of his stature would be able to move that quickly, um, but he he dives across his goal, makes the save, and then subsequently. Um, on that play um, unloads uh, a quick punt that led to what ended up being our, our game winning goal. Yeah. Um, so he gets the assist on the game winning goal after that save. So um, that could have been the point where we would have ultimately tied that game or potentially lost that game. And we would have dropped at least four points in two games to start the season and our, our miracle season, albeit we wouldn't have maybe lost that game could have been derailed. Yeah. And that it could have, that could have been it. It could have, it could have been it that early. And uh, I thought it was, it was a huge save. Yeah. That's a great point. The petter check of the North. <laughs> Lord help, Lord helmet. <laughs> so I guess the, the next one is a little, a little bit of negative, but we're talking. Let's talk worst game. And for me, it's got to be the game away at Eris, only getting the one point. Um, Eris, we're pretty much gifting Eris their only point that they've scored in league play in the years. Last <laughs> yes, in years. And uh, and and you know, obviously, super disappointing because we needed those points to to clinch 
this title as fast as possible. Really what that meant is we had to wait until Duluth came to town in order to clinch the title. But, um, you know, that, that really sucked. I wasn't there, unfortunately. But from what you told me, it sounds like they grew the grass super long. They played yeah. like they played like a, like a one nine formation. It was, yeah, they sat everybody in the box. Yeah, and they just built they built a wall, and and we dominated, and we couldn't we couldn't score because there was no room. Yeah, I mean, just kind of kind of crazy, but an interesting experiment. Um, I wonder if they can do that all next season. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows, man. Never know with those guys. Maybe maybe they'll up their Twitter game next yeah. year. How about you? Worst game of the season. So I picked the two two twin sharks tie at home. Oh yeah. And and that game was the return leg of the dick biting match that was technical difficulties at their place. Um we had the public access TV crew there. Uh, that was kind of cool. My, yeah, it was they did a great job. It was my first game working in the booth with Nordo, so there was a little bit of that added yeah, on to it. Also cool. Uh, then right before the half, there was a terrible penalty kick call, uh, that, uh, that gave them the, the penalty that I believe Kareem Darbaki yeah. finished, uh, that was on Trey Benhart when, when video replay showed that the guy actually tripped, uh, tripped over Trey and, uh, and it was about four yards outside the box and the ref was just in a bad spot to make the call and to see it. So the, the phantom penalty that, that, that drew the game level before half, we had about 20 chances to put away the game in the second half after we scored the, uh, the equalizing goal to, to, to go two two. Um, and, and I, and I think the last point you're, you're going to, you're going to touch on, um, in our next category. So I, I won't, uh, I won't mention it. So why don't you, why don't you take over? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> For me, um, the next award is the most outrageous on-field moment. And for me, this took place during that Twin Shirts um, draw. And that is Steve getting blatantly dick-stomped near the end of that game. Um, <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. There really isn't. Yeah, I mean, it was the, it was the same, this is the same team that, of course, the guy tried to bite. Was it A.O. or Will Kidd in, the, in the junk? Um, just once it was clear that they weren't going to pull this win out and that we we were going to hold on to this point they i mean the whole game they were kind of playing chippy but they well, there start, was the red card the, foul on de la rosa that yes. was just terrible yes and there's um yellows all over the place and then this guy drew his own yellow by just coming up and stomping steve it it was uh egre- the most egregious foul i have ever seen in the npsl um and uh, and I, I can't believe the guy only got a yellow for it. Right. Yeah, I, I don't have anything more to add to that. It was just, like I said, the title is the best way you could describe it. Yep. <laughs> Blatantly dick-stomped. <laughs> um, so my pick for the most outrageous on-the-field moment comes in the playoff match for one Brandon McGarity. So for Brandon, we all know that he was injured in the Duluth game away um, with basically a torn hamstring and the and was was not with us the majority of the year coming off of you know his great start to the season scoring two goals in the first game um, he, he just wasn't with us and and the potential that we saw in in Brandon and the goal scoring ability he had which we really needed <laughs> in theory once he went down we scored a ton of goals yeah um, but you know, in theory, he was our, our talisman who was going to score a bunch of goals for us, and then we lost him for almost the whole season. But definitely credit to 
to uh, Mr. Bloomquist and the, our training staff for getting him able to come back for this the, the playoff match. So it was his second game back from, from his hamstring injury. Um, and really, he was having his way with Duluth defenders. And it was only a matter of time until he he, he kind of unlocked the code to, to slot one past, what's his name, the... <laughs> The, the best goalie in the country that yeah. he scored all the goals against. Yep. Um, so he goes up for a header and he come gets undercut. And, and it, I mean, it wasn't necessarily blatantly dirty, but the defender knew what he was doing to kind of lean into him. He falls down, separates his shoulder. Um, so we're at new Bohemia in uptown watching the stream. Yes. Um, so we're all like, Oh God. So, after five minutes, you know, you can clearly see him in pain on the sideline. And then all of a sudden, the training staff does something. Well, this is the first half, too. And keep in mind, mm-hmm. we had already had to use one sub. Right. Because of, this, because of that uh, nose ring issue. Yeah, exactly. I didn't even, yeah, I, I totally forgot about it. So we're thinking, <laughs> shit, now we got to use our second sub because Brandon just, Brandon just got hurt. Yep, exactly. So uh, something happened. Shoulder gets popped back in. He, he, he does one of the, the ever so famous in soccer. The referee kind of waves him on to, to come on during the run of play. Immediately gets the ball after someone wins it, plays it to him. He dribbles four defenders and scores the lone goal to level the game at one-to-one. And, and that was our lone goal of the game. Um, and just to, to see him, like, literally pop his shoulder out, get it popped back in, and then be, be so pissed off to get the ball and <laughs> dribble five guys and score a goal. I was like... All right, you know now we all we ultimately know what happened in that game, but I thought that was the most out, outrageous that is, moment that is on outrageous. the field. Now, how about John? Most outrageous off-field moment? I think for me, <laughs> for me, it was the 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 saga that has now become legend, known <laughs> known as technical difficulties. <laughs> um, just this idea that the Twin Stars could cancel the game. On Twitter, uh, on t- via Twitter, without notifying the league, without notifying the team, um, the day before the game, right? Or it was two. We days were playing the a game. game. We were playing a game. It was yeah, you're right. It was like Saturday or something, and the game was yeah. going to be on Wednesday. So it wasn't. It was. It wasn't the day before. It was pretty close. And in the course of that, the next, the ensuing two or three days, <laughs> we uh. we come to find out that they. Ha- were lying about the entire circumstance that they had a field reserved that they, they have were training a perfect, on it they have a perfectly good field we could have played on they were training on it at the time of the game when the game was scheduled to be on Wednesday and it just so happened to be the the same field that we end up playing them uh, on the makeup game later on uh, very disgusting behavior from the twin stars um, but it definitely showed the true colors of that organization. Uh, technical difficulties being my most outrageous off-field moment. In the technical difficulties game, when we actually did play... That was the, the dick-biting game. That was the dick-biting game, but there was mm-hmm. also like a lightning delay of like phantom lightning. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Where like, the, the, the trainer or whatever called like, oh, yeah. I saw lightning. No, you didn't. And all like and all of a sudden our momentum's all lost and people are being told to go in their cars because there's lightning mm-hmm. and no one left the field and like players were in the stands hanging out with and people. the li- the little kickers continued to practice and to play yeah. on the field next to them yeah 
So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with, with your off-field moment. Mine, uh, once again, circles back to one Ken Love Sloan. Yes. Uh, not, just, not just because he has the best name in the business, but <laughs> because of what he did uh, in a friendly match that we had. So we elevated Ken Love to, to join us when we played in a closed-door friendly with Minnesota United. So, mind you, at this point in, in his life, Ken Love had ju- had just graduated high school, so he's going up against grown men, full pros, and he had his way with one Colin Warner, who was deployed <laughs> as a left back. Oh, so sure. So he is running this old man ragged, and the only thing saving Colin Warner from embarrassment is just his veteran guile to to not to not overcommit to a kid who is got track like track sprinter type speed. So in the in the in the first half, like I said, he's having his way with, with this guy. And on our side by where I was standing, the he he beat Colin Warner and and, and Colin ended up tracking back and, and blocking his cross uh, from going in and it went out for a corner kick. And the ball kind of fell in between both of them. And Ken Love goes, Hey he goes, I watch you on TV. My name's Kenny. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like it, it was just the, the ice, it was the cherry on, on, on his ice cream sundae. I, it really was because it was like, he's just roasting this guy who's a, a proven veteran in the MLS for a good 30 minutes and and then the ball he has time to introduce himself to this guy and tell him that he watches him on tv hey man it, it, i it know was, you your favorite like, hey man he's like hey man i see you on tv my name's kenny nice to meet you that's it, which awesome is, yeah it's just like one of those things that you, no one sees but it, or hears it except for a handful of people and it just oh man i had me in stitches on the sideline i was like god that's the funniest thing i've ever heard on the soccer field <laughs> All right, John, next up is our best individual performance by a player. This is a tough one um, because you got to take into account, you know, not just offensive performances, but I think both of us ended up going with a defensive performance on the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine being Max Kent versus the Twin Sharks in that 1-0 technical difficulties win at Prairie Seeds Academy. Um, you know, this game was super tight, very, very physical, very uh very contentious and of course never really ne- there was never really a guarantee that we would win this this is again one of those times where we were kind of walking on eggshells hoping to get past this this matchup so that we could continue to um to to stay on top of the league and max kent at center back shut down any twin stars offense that came his way he oh, ate left up, and right he ate up any ball in the air um he was he was hard challenging hard tackling he was all over uh sweeping it was great it was great to watch him and uh and i think i think i said it at the time it was he was a major part of why we won that game and why it, it, what i think it would have been um i don't know who would have been in goal probably elder ended up with the clean sheet and I think too that game solidified his accolades in at the end when the postseason kind of rolled around. I, I think that, that was the game that people were finally like he, he was kind of out of the shadow of 
us just having a stingy back four yep. and he just kind of took over. And uh, I think that one definitely helped him out. So yes, I also picked a defensive uh, performance on this one and mine was AO versus Joe Watt in Ooh. the, in the four, two Duluth win to seal the, um, to seal the the title for us. And, and the reason why I picked that one is because I've mentioned it before. I, I think that, regardless of all of the players that Duluth has, has leveled up with over the years and, and the guys they've had for around for a while, I, I do believe that Joe Watt is their, is their best player and their most dangerous player. They, they show it, they've showed it for the past three, three years, I guess you can count uh, us going into this season yep. that they, he never comes off the field when they make subs they, and, and he's tired. They just move him into a different section of the field or a different position whether it's centrally uh he's played left back but he's mostly a left wing Mm -hmm. and um to to see him deployed on the left wing for the entire game and to to watch the one-on-one battles that he and ao were having it was never anything that was dirty it was just like two guys man to man toe to toe going at it and, and ao just shut him off and it, I believe it was it, it. He stifled so many attacks by by shutting down the 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 one v one efforts that they were kept trying to overload um, on Joe's side. That uh, that it, with his ability could have seen us give up more than two goals that game, and ultimately maybe not winning the title at home. Yeah, I, I agree. I think in general, that is the uh, the crowning achievement of AO's very stellar defensive. A campaign of 2018 when you think about it this is a guy that played in your Stegman's games he played in the Minneapolis City games he showed up for all of those Minnesota United scrimmages and maybe a couple that we didn't even talk about uh mm-hmm. you know Aaron Olson was the I, I guess you'd say the backbone of our of our defense for the entire season and well, that the captain was the, of the team right and the captain of the team and that was that was the game that really that really proved it Right, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, we're going to get off the field for a little bit and get away from, from what the players did and what the team did and talk about um, best club tweet, John. <laughs> That's so many. We've got, you know, the, this club is one of the best clubs in the world uh, at Twitter, and you gotta you got to be able to pick out a great moment um, from 2018 and, and maybe a little bit before that uh, – that shines in your mind as the best tweet that Minneapolis city put out. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll dive in with this one. Um, so in response to a tweet that's, that asked, what's the strangest thing you've seen inside a football stadium? So obviously one of our, our UK, uh, f- fan base members. Um, and the, uh, the response in the club was, a woman dressed as a cat with a mustache. Hashtag <laughs> Minneapolis City things. Yes, and I think that just that just really sews it all up for me. <laughs> you know, like I, 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 I can't I can't not say it chuckling because I've seen it and it's freakishly <laughs> it's so hilarious. It's so ridiculous and it's so funny and it's so bizarre and and it, everything and it truly is who it, 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 it wraps up who our fan base is. And uh, I, I definitely couldn't let that one, uh, that one go without, without bringing that to the top. Yeah. Mine also shows off the personality of our, of our club. I think yours, that tweet would have been from the Rochester trip, right? When there was the uh, cat with the mustache. 
I think it might have been a home game, oh. <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't know. The cat showed up to a couple games, and it was b- equally bizarre every time. Because the cat was at Aurora, but it was raining um, for that mm-hmm. U.S. Open Cup game. And uh, so the cat head didn't get really brought out too much. It just kind of sat on the cement getting wet. But the, <laughs> my, my favorite tweet... Gross. It was really sad and creepy. My my favorite tweet is is from that Aurora game, uh, and it showcases the the staff of volunteers that we had. It's uh, the Aurora game. If, if you remember, John, you were there, but a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of our fans weren't. It was it was in November in Aurora, Illinois. Unfortunately, cold. Um, a little bit. It was really rainy. It was like misty. It like was, it was like a wintry mix. Yeah, it was not not comfortable at all. Um. And we got there, and it was you got to still got to do the work, right? The players still got to get out there. The staff still has to warm them up. The staff still has to get everything set up. And so there is Cole and Dan um, in this tweet that just says, "Just going through the old archives." And the, the tweet says, "Very happy to be here." And they're just deadpan, not smiling. <laughs> Obviously, it just been brought so over because someone was like, "Oh, come take a picture. Come take a picture." Because they got their their cool city hats with the pink bill. They have their city polos, their city jackets, their city shirts. So it's like, oh, here's a city, here's a great shot of city city staff on the job. And they are <laughs> clearly pissed off about being out there in the weather, um, giving zero smiles, looking looking like looking dead at the camera, looking really happy to be there. So well, I like I that think, tweet a lot. I think it also brings into the fold the uh, the grumpy cat nature of of, of the club. Yep. Like they, they just were all points grumpy on that on that shot because it was I was down on the sidelines it was so cold but I was prepared because I actually was the only person who brought uh, rain gear yeah so I was uh, I was dry and they were not and uh, yeah that was that was a good one as well uh, so the last category Nate is fan of the year mm-hmm. and uh, thought adding this category is important because. Our fans are so great, and they and they really get behind us. They they travel to Rochester, New York, to watch us play. That they were in Aurora. I mean, they were they wherever there's a Crows match, you can guarantee that there's going to be a, a handful of our our fans there. And but for me, it wouldn't be a fan shout out on this podcast if we didn't give it to our resident unofficial content generator, Bryn. <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and I did. I'm, I'm just going to admit, this is very loose reporting here. So my, my journalistic integrity is definitely going to be questioned here. But I, I did some digging. Um, but by my unofficial count, he has contributed to 20 segments based off of 15 emails he has sent us over the past year and a half, roughly. Wow. So that's a lot of content he's helped us generate. So thank you so much, Bryn. Keep it up. Um, you make our jobs easier. And to the rest of you who listen, maybe outside of Jake Mercer, who from Toledo, has, from Toledo, uh, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed at the rest of you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, you know, not only is Bryn a contributor to the podcast, but he's at all the, all the local games, home games, um, away games locally at VSLT, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, he plays on Stegman's. I was going to say he loved the team enough that he d- wanted to get involved in the ground floor to play on Stegman's. Um, get back into soccer through that. I think it's just um, it's awesome to have fans like Bryn who are so into the club, and um, I'm sure he's one of many that are going to be excited for us to to jump back into action here in 
a short five months, right, John? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and and also like I should note too, like Bryn's volunteered to help out at the shop, and mm-hmm. like, he he really he really loves us, and and we love you back, Bryn. Yeah. So so thank you, fan of the year. Well, John, that was our that was our best of 2018. Yeah. I think that was a pretty good. good year. Yeah, it was a good year. Um, but let's move on because let's move on to tw- looking ahead to 2019. So the NPSL North Twitter account recently um, kind of tweeted out this, I guess, a straw poll that reminded followers that in 2017, Duluth and Dakota made the playoffs. And in 2018, it was Duluth and Minneapolis City. And then they asked, who's your prediction for 2019? And uh, it might not have it might not have got those engagement numbers that they were hoping for. I think five well, people. Well, yeah, but I... Five I people replied, was, and a couple people retweeted it with their own answers. But um, it was trolling. It was trolling the internet. Yeah. It was like I said, putting out the salt lick for for the trolls to to, to snack on. Yep. And so of it, course, it really all, the, all the Duluth fans bit. Yeah. To mix absolutely. our metaphors, and uh, <laughs> and of course they said that Duluth would probably win, but if they had to be honest with themselves, it'd be Minneapolis City. Um. But it did get me thinking that. You know, what are the NPSL North standings going to look like in August of 2019? And it's way too early to think about this, um, but I will say it's fun, right? I mean, for you it is. (laughs) (laughs) For you it's just extra pressure, like shit you got to deliver on, right? I'm like currently, like we're going to be getting into what I've been doing in the next segment. so. (laughs) So for me, I think 2018 was definitely a year of overachieving for many in the league. VSLT started so strong. They brought in all that talent internationally um, thanks to their their community ties. They housed guys from other countries, things like that. And when that started to fall apart, so did did their record. Um, Duluth also, I would say, overachieving considering what we know about the locker room culture, what we know about about how that coach went about motivating the team or, or didn't go about motivating them, to be to be honest. Um, and in 2019, I think the pros are really going to rise to the top and everyone else is going to come back down to earth. Um, based on what I've heard and some rumored player movement and things like that, my, my big wonder here is where are these outstate teams going to go for talent? Where will Duluth um, get you know, restock their, restock their talent pool. Where will Med City restock their talent pool? Dakota was so bad last year and I don't see them getting any better. Sioux Falls, how are they going to, where are they going to find talent outside of their college community? Things like that. So my, if I had to say my, my order, um, I would say we have to be the ones to win this league again i think the brotherhood is strong and that is the thing that's gonna really bring our core together john you've you've said a number of times and we'll talk about trials here in a little bit that you're always looking out for talent you've always got players emailing you you're always talking about how to find the best two or three players to fill you know the one or two spots we might only have open on the on the roster so i think from a talent perspective and from an experience perspective, Minneapolis City still has to be favored to win to win again. I'm going to surprise people and say number two for me is Med City. I think they're super consistent with where they can get their where they can get their talent. They in the past have done a pretty good job of bringing people in and housing them and providing for them over the summer, and that can continue and that can continue to you know a couple couple different. Uh, results last summer and Med City was in second place. So I think mm-hmm. you know Med City can learn from learn from last summer and and really take an, a, another step up. 
closer to uh, closer to where they deserve to finish. I think Duluth is going to drop, and uh, and I think that mostly because I think that locker room culture is going to start grinding on some of the the some of the brotherhood of Duluth. When you think about why they won two years ago, why they did so well two years ago, it really was because they had this tightly knit attitude of like nobody could fuck with us. We're fucking with everyone else. We're showing people how how we ball up here in Duluth. And it you know, was that tight knit group of those dudes from England, those dudes from um, those dudes from the UK and uh, and some of the local some of the local college talent. Those guys for the most part are seem like they might be done. You know, you saw how Cochran came off that game against us. He might not be very happy. Um, Farrar kind of have only played about half the games last year. Things like that. So this core of Duluth players might be falling apart. I see that team suffering because of it. I think Twin Stars are going to finish in fourth only because they are drawing talent from their academy. Their academy seems to be putting some good good players forward. I think if the Twin Stars can start promoting some of these younger kids, um, they could show they could surprise some people. And then the last four Sioux Falls, uh, I'm going to say is is in fifth place just because the other teams are going to be so bad. Dakota will not be able to pull it together. VSLT, I think last year was about as good as they could they could get it. I don't think they've got the the resources to bring all those all those guys back from South America and house them for another summer. Given the gates that I see at that club, they just don't have, they can't have the financial resources for that. And of course, Eris number eight, they might be able to squeak out one or two more points with their, with their nine, 10 men in the box. But, uh, but I, I doubt it. Um, but that's, that's just my take. It's a fun, it's a fun exercise to go through um, here in January and be able to compare to, to what the reality is there at the end of August. Um, I mean, I don't quite know what you want me to say next. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't, it's hard for you to predict, I'm sure. Well, let me, let me, hard I'll break be... down, I'll break down a little bit. So I think that the top half of the league will stay the same. I think you'll see the same teams kind of finish in the top, top four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I believe that we're always going to be in the mix there. Um, and I, I believe that Med City is, it, it's got to be to a point where it's a make or break year for them. Because it's been two years now where they've had all this talent and spent all the money and the resources uh, against bringing in players yeah. that they believe can can win, and they've missed out on the playoffs two years in a row. Uh, I think that, like you said, the core that really made Duluth Duluth is it's fracturing, and it's either guys moving away, um, it's it's guys not getting along with the new regime that's in there. Um, it's, it's the new coach bringing in his own guys that might be butting heads with that core. And I think that as we've seen, when you develop that core and, and, and you can replenish it with like-minded players and like-minded talent, it doesn't go away, but I don't see unless they make a significant, um, step up in the level of player that they're bringing in, um, the financial resources against that are large, so I don't I don't know if either them or Med City can do that. Like a VSLT did, la- they put in their all their eggs in one basket last year, and they were on course to to see it pay off until that five nothing uh, win that we we put on them at, uh, at their place and kind of took the wind out of their sails. Mm-hmm. And you know, then Twin Stars, like you said. The academy, like if they can promote some of those those younger players along with some of the other talent that they have there, you know, I don't understand why a guy like 
Chase Wright would continue to play there. Um, you know, it being that, uh, you know, he could be playing in the PDL somewhere. You know, you're going to have Kareem Darbaki. He's a good soccer player. You're going to have all these other players that they have that, that have been there for a while. But much like Duluth, I don't know how long that that core group can stay together um, without having to elevate that y- younger talent. Well, we um, saw last so- year kind of what happened when they ele- when they elevated some of those players that we hadn't seen before. Um, that yeah, it was a significant drop-off. Well, not only that, but it was just the attitude sucked. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it the attitude it, it resulted in all the all the disciplinary things that they had. Yep. Uh, and then you look at you know Sioux Falls. I, I I you know I have nothing but respect for what those guys do with what they have. Um, they 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 tend to pop up with results throughout the the season for the last two years. Where you're like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And then you know they come into town and you know we we, we beat up on them or or whatever. They they don't travel well. Um, so I think they're kind of right, right at where they should be. Um, I agree with you on Dakota. They, I don't know what they're gonna do. Um, they're gonna have to spend significant megabus dollars to bring in talent to <laughs> for the summer. Yeah, yeah, for the summer. So I, I don't know how that's gonna go. I mean, it could go well for them, and they could be higher up on the list. But oh, how how the mighty have fallen since two years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were a really, really good team. I mean, you saw they didn't have Isaac Kison last year, who I thought was one of the best players in, in our division. Um, and then Eris, you never know. Are they going to actually try? Um, are they just, <laughs> you know, like whatever. But what I liked seeing was I, I love being the underdog that most of the Twitter sphere thinks we should be. So we're just going to do our thing and, and hope that we're as successful as we were last year. So, <clears throat> to talk about doing our own thing, Nate, we have had trials on trials on trials uh, going on really since November and definitely getting a leg up on, the I would say, 95% of the country when it comes to the NPSL with starting to identify talent. Yeah. So we've talked at length about our open trial, which is really what I think is the first step in each new season. So we've started our season in November with that trial we've identified players from that trial the second phase is we 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 bring in players that have either contacted our club and fit our requirements which we all know is must be from minnesota or live in minnesota um we don't house any players uh, they can't be an asshole we have a strict no assholes policy um they have to be good at soccer and, and really fit the needs that we we have from a roster perspective of non-returners um or we invited them from the scouting of the hundreds of games I watched over the fall, um, or even from some recommendations from players that are in the club that have a friend or the coaching staff who has coached a player in a previous life um, that they, they want to, to kind of bring into the fold. But all in all, there's been a here's where the staggering numbers come from. There's been a total of 375 plus players that have come through one way or another to contact me since since August of this past year since the season ended. Wow. So that, that that's not even a full year of people that have contacted me or we've contacted. So 300 players. That's, that's so ma- so many players. It's almost 400. It's a lot of emails. It, it a ton of emails. I mean on a daily basis and like right around now is when it gets even more. So I could even throw I got 10 more emails today. 
um, from from players who don't fit our, our criteria. So it's it's a lot. So we, we sift through that, um, and we're now down to seventy five players uh, over four sessions this winter for our next round of trials, and we're currently about halfway through our winter trial process. And I can honestly say, Nate, that this is the most competitive group we've ever brought in. And that includes our, our first season. And I, I put I mentioned the first season because I'll put it in terms of that'll help our fans understand. If we picked out of the top 30 of that 75 um, and we had to had to put a team together, they would be significantly better than our team in the PLA in our first year um, and and definitely better than what we rolled out two years ago in our first NPSL season. So, I mean, there's just so much talent that, wow. that's, that's in right now. And, um, and, and we're really excited about it. That's good. I think, um, you know, one of my questions that I had, John is how, <laughs> well, how many of these guys are that are contacting you are either contacting you without permission of their coach or like how much extra legwork does that, cost you because that it's not just a matter it's not just a matter of like answering an email saying like yeah come on in it's like you have like you you kind of broke it down for us a few a few weeks ago last month in december or november when we talked about scouting that like there is a number of steps that you have to take contacting coaches contacting the university making sure that everything's above the board um in order for them to play with us how much how much extra work is it, it do these kids that just kind of get ahead of themselves cause you <laughs> um, very good question, Nate. Um, I would say, so here's the typical process. So I'll, I'll, I'll break down two scenarios and try to get there quickly. The first scenario is, is the, the easiest one for me to, to, to do. And it's, I'll get, uh, a, a, a resume and some game film or a highlight package of a guy who's from like Arizona. And he's like, Oh, and he basically just, knows he can play at this level and like looked at the best teams in the country and, and got my email and one way or another and sent me all his info and was like, I'd love to be on your team. And my response to those guys is, are you from Minnesota or do you plan on living here for one way or one reason or another in the summer? If no, I'm sorry. If yes, let me do my, let me do my work. And then I go into the second category, which is I, I watch their tape I, I, I look at their position. Is it a position of need that we have? Um, is it an upgrade from what we currently have that we can bring in and elevate the level of competition for roster spots uh, once we bring these guys in? Um, and then I talk to previous coach or a, a contact that I have or someone that has gotten actual eyes on a player. And, and then I, I learn from that you know, what, what type of character does this player have off the field? Are they, are they a good dude? Are, are, you know, are they going to break our no assholes policy? Are we going to have this person move uh, across country or even across the continent? And, and they're going to, they're going to be gone in two weeks because we, we can't stand them from a uh, a personality perspective. (laughs) And then it's, can they play? And then that's understanding and trusting when I talk to a coach or you know, a sporting director or, or any sort of administrator who's who's watched them play. Do I trust their evaluation? You know, 
is what I'm seeing on tape going to match up with what they tell me about this, this player? What are their strengths that I saw or their weaknesses and what do they think that they are? And then the final step is if it all aligns, bringing them in for, for one of these four sessions that we have. So that's a lot of whittling down to do for 400 plus kids or 400 plus players. And then now we're in this kind of final pool of 75. Of course, there's not that many open spots, but what does that mean? What is that pool of 75 that you know you can pick you know, top 30 players and still be a competitive team in different leagues. What does that mean for us? How do we, you know, what, what do you, what do you do with that moving forward? Well, what it means, Nate, is that we're now in a position to fill the gaps that we have from the previous season. So we know there's some level of attrition that we have every year and whether it's guys go pro, uh, guys move away, guys retire, whatever it may be. We, we have we have to fill some needs and you know our core you know I, I can let the, let the cat out of the bag our core is almost all back unless they fall into the reasons I just mentioned but what we, what it affords us is the opportunity to promote our u23 players to the MPSL team so we had some guys moving back and forth last year and I, I you know once we start announcing some of the guys that have committed uh, for the summer uh, already um, you'll start seeing some familiar names that that were ancillary players last year that are ready to, to, to fill the gaps. Um, it also says that we can fill our U23 bucket with more talent. So we can, we can now backfill those guys that are leaving for, for whatever reason on the U23 team. And then what we can do is elevate high performers from our trials directly to the NPSL team. And I, I think we've identified a few a, after the first two sessions that we've had um, this winter that that can absolutely make the jump and and one of them already you know being discussed about ha- joining us um, in, in the summer and then we've already started to identify players that could join us when we start our U19 team next year so a lot of these kids are freshmen in college or are are seniors in high school so we're we're now able to elevate them next year and have another home have a home for them if if they don't fit with us for the 2019 season nice. so we have we have the hard job uh and then that is we have too much talent and I, I say that not to sound like braggadocious by any means but even if all these players in all of our trials including our open trial perform at 100 percent they, they they shine we can only take a limited few i mean there's just not a I mean, the numbers that I mentioned don't don't even come close to to dictating how many people we can actually take until we actually elevate that U19 team into our club. So can't take them all. Right. Um, But before each each session, I, I say to these guys. And I, I, I mean, there's guys that come to all of them. Some come to two or whatever they can make. Uh, I say that if it's a no for now, it's ne- it's not a no forever, because anything can happen. You know, yeah, we might lose a guy to go to a different team or whatever, um, because we don't pick them up or they don't end up moving here because we didn't take them. But if you remember three years ago, um, we had to cut Aiden O'Driscoll because there was just no room in our midfield for him. I mean, we had we had like six center midfielders, and it was like, I have guys returning. I'm not, 
yes, you're a good player. I think you can work on some things. You can get stronger. You can grow. I mean, he was a soft. He was going into his sophomore season in college. Yep. He wasn't physically ready for the MPSL North by any means. And I also didn't want to put him into that situation. But from a talent perspective, I saw it there. I know he's a good player. So now he's entering our, his second season with us and is a college All-American in his senior season. So we do follow players. I mean, I follow these players. I, I, I don't just have them on a list and I throw the list away. Every, I, in, the, in, in the fall, I go back to the well and I, and I watch these guys because I want to be true to my word that I I will watch them play. And if an opening comes up, I will elevate them and I will bring them back. And, and, and we've seen it happen with not only Aiden, but a few other players. So, you know, it's it's a tough period right now for me, and and then now it's starting to lean on to the coaching staff because now it's it's their preference of what they're looking for for their team that they're that they're going to be coaching. I I can't I can't force a player in that our coaching staff doesn't think they can work with, um, or that it's not the right type of fit. I, I I'm kind of done doing that, um, and I, I've given them now the pool of players that I I know they can pick from, and it's up to them now. It's quickly shifting gears for them to be the ones that are 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 taking that over. Sure. So knowing that we've got what 75 guys coming in, but like you said, a lot, most of the core is returning and that sort of thing. And that the team has promised player announcements this month. It's probably safe to say like our player announcements that are going to be coming in this month are the players that we know and love. There should be no surprises in January, considering that we haven't even finished our trial process yet. Right. I, yeah, you're 100% correct. You're going to start seeing some names coming out that are familiar um, and some new. Um, there's, there's a couple couple new players that we've identified that have that put pen to paper. So mid-January, we'll be all done with the second phase of our trials. And then um, we'll have a very good idea of what we need for both of our teams going into our final phase of trials, which is our last open trial in the spring, which tends to be actually the most competitive of trials because we're very picky on what we bring in. And that trial is usually heavily mixed with current talent that we have already signed so that we can test these players against what we have. Yeah. So it, it really, I mean, and I, I honestly, I kind of can't wait for that time to come because I see how high of a level of, tr- of training sessions these trials are with the talent we have. And I, I mentioned it before how I think it's, it's the best talent we've brought in. Um, I can only imagine what the, what I feel is the most aggressive, competitive portion of our three phases historically and what it's going to be like come spring sounds pretty exciting john i guess we'll have to uh stay tuned to find out all the all the great info um yeah one of the last things we want to talk about is some a bit of negative news that has come out of the club this week and that is um the club tweeting earlier this week that we will not be returning to the U.S. Open Cup this year. Um, despite the past two years, or the past, despite, I guess, the, the year before, that the NPSL North champion received an automatic bid, um, it, feel, it seems like the U.S. Open Cup did not extend that automatic bid to us this year. And it's, uh, as usual, not... They're not really transparent about their methods, uh, nor are they at all apologetic about them. So we just have to take that and uh, 
and, and live with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I have, okay. Before I say anything, uh, <laughs> before you make, get fined. Yeah. I'm going to be very calculated with my words here. Mm-hmm. So the reason why we're not in is because U S soccer has shifted the requirements because of all of the new pro teams that are bubbling up in America. So pro teams within the designated pro tiers automatically get into the U.S. Open Cup. So with this whole USL pro championship, whatever you want to call all their different layers, the PDL going away and kind of being absorbed into that structure, you're getting more teams in that were not accounted for last year. And they don't even know how many they're going to be. Um, You know, NISA hasn't, gotten off the ground as aggressively as they they would have if peter Wilt, i believe would have stayed with them before he went to madison so there could be even more pro teams in so there's gonna have to be an extra round and so u.s soccer has no idea so here's where i get aggravated is the u.s open cup in its historical um just just nuts and bolts of it was an amateur tournament when it started many, many years ago, decades Mm -hmm. ago. I mean, it's the second oldest competition in the world behind the FA Cup. So that right there says, like, it was definitely all amateur teams back in the day because we didn't have a professional league until the 70s. And then we didn't have another one again until the 90s. So the true focus of this tournament is supposed to be predicated on giving teams of all abilities a chance yes you have you have the qualifying rounds but those qualifying rounds as we've seen as a club come at a very very hefty price tag and we've had unusual luck in the draw where we've been drawn away at a cost of almost ten thousand dollars a game when you look at our operating budget that that we we share and what dan has already shared with the potential of us reaching a six-figure operating budget in our fourth year um it's still you look at ten thousand dollars a game that's not sustainable no so you get teams that have the the financial means to to make their travel sustainable getting just gifted a spot in where teams that that actually do earn it at the amateur ranks they're they're thrown by the wayside for teams we don't even know are even going to be professional teams so i get angry at that point because we did everything that was asked of us if we were to qualify under what the qualification rules were last year and i know we've had some trouble in the past seems like that we say that every year yeah (laughs) we fought we we think we followed the rules in previous years and we've broken a few um but it just doesn't add up for me, Nate. And it yeah. makes me mad because we we go through all of it. We're we're a, a penalty handball call in the in the regional tournament away from potentially getting a bid. And and that sucks, right? Like it, it it was a controversial call in itself, but that is the pivot point that took us out of this tournament under the new rules. So the new rules dictate that the top four teams in each region get an automatic bid. So now you go down from 16 teams that we got in last year to actually no more than that 18 teams that got in last year to uh to eight basically or no sorry 12 so you're cutting four slots and if 
if a team does drop out of the professional ranks, we would be the second team of the rest to get in. Oh, great. Yeah, so there's no chance in there's 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 no chance in hell we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna get in. So I'm only one voice of the club, and I know that we have to talk about this with the rest of the folks. But I don't ever want to even entertain the U.S. Open Cup ever again, unless there's some significant work done by the federation to fix this shit because it's 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 becoming a joke and. It was a great tournament for years and years, and we and it's been ruined. And yeah. there's there is little to no benefit from the little guys spending five to ten and even more thousands of dollars to play in the qualification rounds, which we would have to do to get in next year if we don't finish in the top four in our region. And that's not even guaranteeing that more pro teams don't bubble up. Why and then bother? We're losing, yeah. Why bother? It, it there's there's the Hank Steinbrecher Cup that the Bavarians won last year, which gave them an automatic bid into the U.S. Open Cup this year, which was a new rule, which I think was a fantastic rule, and I don't know why it went away. Um, but I I believe that that type of tournament is more for us, and our Stegman's team is qualified for it, and we we've we've done it before. But even that, the travel costs get expensive because there's less teams in it. Mm-hmm. So. You could find us if we were so. Say we entered that tournament this year with our city team. I think we would do very well. We'd run up against the Bavarians, and you never know what's going to shake out of that game. But outside of that game, I don't really feel like there's any other amateur teams to be really afraid of in our in our region. Um, maybe some of the teams out of Chicago or Illinois, and or some of the Michigan teams that might do the same thing that I'm I'm proposing. But say we we do enter that tournament. We do get we do get uh, past the, the the early qualifying knockout rounds and we and we enter into the later rounds of the tournament. We're looking at a potential of having to travel to like Texas, Florida, California, Arizona, New York for a midweek game during our season. So it, like even that tournament in itself doesn't work out for us. Yeah. So we we as a management group we've talked about it. Um, you know we're going to be talking with the member board about it. And you know like I said I'm I'm one voice, but I, I feel like others within the the decision making hierarchy will agree with me that let's just put to bed any sort of US Open Cup ever again and even if we did qualify automatically do we decline our our qualification spot do we do we give it up and be the first team to decline an offer to play in the US Open Cup maybe um but it, it just be, doesn't make that'd sense. be so silly yeah, exactly it totally it would be us and it would be it would be a, a, a perfect ending to this stupid story It'd be the final chapter, which it would make me so happy. Um, but it, it's just—I don't know. I don't really need to go into it anymore. It just yeah. makes—it makes me sad that soccer's being ruined. Yeah, it's definitely a bummer. I think for me, it, it's like, uh, you know, the end of a bad breakup or something. You know, they, like you should have done a year ago or two. You know, and it's like, yeah. oh fuck! Finally, I don't have to pretend anymore. <laughs> You're you like, know, thank God we didn't move in together. <laughs> It just to me it like it does suck because what what it could have been and what it really should have meant. But man, I'll tell you what, John, I'm happy that we don't have to worry. The club doesn't have to worry about absorbing that kind of cost. And for what to get to for the like the point one percent chance to be the next Christos or whatever you know the team that upsets an MLS team and then mm-hmm. end up getting beat later on anyway, and all at the cost of so much. It we just doesn't it. feel worth it. 
We talked about it in our, our – uh, we, we didn't talk about it, but we could have talked about it in our uh, our favorite tweet section. But I think the club the club Twitter account said it great. Why would we spend $10,000 plus a, plus a game traveling away to have the chance at playing the MLS team that we already play for free? Yep. Like, like it makes zero sense. So oh, thank you. So forget you, U.S. Open Cup. You're you're dead to me right now. See you never. That is all yep. for this episode, folks. Um, thanks as always to our sponsor, Summit Brewing. Summit's Ratskeller Reserve Box comes to stores this month. It features some revived beers that were originally brewed for a very limited few. Um, if you like your drinking experience to really surprise you to be something special, pick up a box today. Summit, a more meaningful brew since 1986. If giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it is time to give to the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us everywhere, playing with kids in parks and community centers all around the city, and consider a tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Be like Bryn. Send us mail. It's easy. You just hit us up on Twitter at The People's Pitch with some thoughts, or you can do it through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, all questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. You can always hit the club up with random shit at MPLSCitySC <coughs> on Twitter. And that is all for this week. It's been a while. Once again, we'll leave you with our house MC, Miles Stockman Willis, a.k.a. Malaise. I am Nate. That has been Sean. Happy New Year. And you got hoof. Real you, yeah, boo, I found you. So don't ever frown when loneliness is around you. I'ma show you that someone should crown you, not clown you. But pursue virtue would never hurt you. Critical in distance, touches digital, biblical. Tell death, love is unconditional. Telling us we're a team and not two individuals. For you, I give my spleen, the spiritual and the physical. Loving what is fragile isn't always fixable. But I see what's invisible, see it affects visuals. Grab my hand, hold it. We gon' think the unthinkable. I promise. We will float that our boat's unsinkable. I promise I'ma drown in you. Drown. Let you drown in me. me. Reveal the recipe. You I love to overfeed. I love it. Let's proceed slowly. Not go bad like moldy. Ravioli, rigatoni. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me. Please. Just tell me when you fall. Free. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Temptation's about to give in, but I'm staying true. If I sin, may I be forgiven for a few. What we got to lose? Nothing. You just gotta listen. Such a good girl. Just made a bad decision. One and done, she looking fine. Nothing missing. But got my hands tied like I'm the villain. Evil only swallows pride, but I'm sometimes kidding. Finger liquor kitty after, be the kitten. Cute shit. Kiss me softer than a baby's grip. New sense of high when she bites her lower lip. If she quit, make my heart skip, then snip. When we're together like ice cream mixed with some mint. Pepper, shawty had to rescue my respiratory. Yeah. Wants a man, who's a man that is mandatory. Only without her off the pad, like I never met with Dory. Help her write her story, take the qualms out her quarry. Uh. 
Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. As the rollie, always be my plus one. Shotty is my bogey, in it for the long haul, not for the trophy. Every day, feeling greater than Tony. Falling for her, and I think she falling for me too. I hope falling like two V's make a double U. Type of dude to build you up and make the rubble move. Type of dude to have my phone out all in front of you. Only cause you got my back. Presence always sets the mood. Never starts any trouble without any proof. No problems if there was, make the puzzle poof. Left it off. Goofballs, you should see the spoof. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall. Girl, I'm free falling for you. Still, temptation follows free. Just tell me when you fall for me, please. Just tell me when you fall.